All right, guys, we are back with another dope episode of Shades of Strong, where we are talking about all the things that shape, make, and sometimes break the strong Black woman. I'm Cheryl, and of course, this show simply would not be complete without the marvelous Natalie Bradshaw, a.k.a. Nati. Say hey to the peak, Natty. Hey to the peeps, Natty. What's up, y'all? You are so funny. And joining us in our virtual studio today for this powerful episode is the conversationalist of all things Black, the amazingly awesome Randy Bryant, a.k.a. Randy B., and my and Natty's new best friend. Hey, Randy, what is up, girl? What's up, everybody? (laughs) I'm so happy to be here again. Yes, 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 yes. I am so happy to have Randy here today. She is like, Randy and I have known each other, I think, for maybe three months now, but we are really best friends. So I am happy to have her in the virtual studio (laughs) today. But ladies, do y'all mind if I do this real quick? Before we dive into the meat and potatoes of this episode, can we just take a few minutes to celebrate and honor the fact that we have not one not two, but three Saggies in the house today. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. What's up? yes. I'm sorry, that sign of the zodiac. <laughs> but you know, yes. it's a little cr- crazy, a little crazy. Ooh, I'm so excited, it's like the Bible says. Yes, honey. Yes, girl. The Bible says where there are two or three Saggies gathered, they're in the midst. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, yes, yes, yes. So Natty's 12-1. Amen, honey. Natty's 12-1. I'm 12-5. And Randy, if I'm not mistaken, you're 12-14, right? 12-14. Yes, 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 yes. I knew it, I knew it. Anyway. So y'all know this conversation is about to be about all the things because you got three amazing women in the studio today. And so let's get to it. So anyway, as we mentioned In a previous episode, this season is all about helping you understand, process, and move past the things that you are sometimes ashamed to talk about. Yeah, so today we're going to be talking about family secrets because I happen to believe that a lot of that stuff comes from the fact that Black families are not really open when it comes to things that happen. It's it's that whole what happens in this house stays in the house mentality. So we want to kind of talk, talk a little bit about that today. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. So, what say y'all about the topic? Well, you said what I it was. Everybody was like, I don't know. It's a biggie. It is. It is a biggie. So let me just let me just throw out some questions, then. So, is it a cultural thing? Why are we as Black families so adamant about we're gonna work this out inside our family? What happens in this house stays in, stays in this house, and where do you where do you guys think it originally originated from? Originally originated. Did I need to say both of those? Uh, what do y'all think it originated? <laughs> well, from? Uh, <laughs> oh, it, it 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 was out of doubt is a cultural thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think all cultures, all races have family secrets, but I think that yeah. we are probably more so that way. I think mm-hmm. more so are about keeping some secrets. And I think it becomes, it comes from, we were always taught not to trust each other. Oh, that's true. I think, that's you know, again, you know, I, I, you know, I put, I, I take everything back to slavery, right? I think that we were designed 
Mm-hmm. You know, I think we were designed to go to if you put us like we, we have to fight against each other, battle against each other yeah. for every single thing. And that mentality mm-hmm. goes year after year after year. Then, of course, we're not going to trust people with our flaws or when we fall down because mm-hmm. we don't feel safe doing it. I agree with that. I think that a lot of it does stem from our historical experience in the black culture. And like you were saying, Randy, it dates all the way back to our experiences during slavery. Like our ancestors were very careful about what they share with each other. Like you said, there was a lack of trust because you didn't know if you could trust this person not to tell the master. So I think all of it kind of stemmed from that. And then we just continue to pass that mentality down from generation to generation to generation. Well, and also we have to, and it it, it makes it real hard is that, you know, we were brought here and taught to be very strong Christians. And, you know, that is the way they helped to keep us enslaved because it was taught that, you know, you suffer now, you go to heaven later and, you know, so allow us to enslave you, beat you, rape you. And if you tolerate it and you are a good slave, then you will go to heaven, right? It was a sense of right. control and very different than Christianity is often taught now. But that has continued on, particularly in the South, which which is where I'm from. And so when we, I, I think when a lot of people sin, it's just like they sin and it's no big deal. But when a Black person sins, I think there's a heavier burden that goes with that because we are typically so religious. Mm-hmm. And so it's a bigger deal when we fall down. Oh, definitely. Right. Definitely. Definitely. We have, I feel like we have uh, like a set of standards that um, are like attributed only to us. Uh, And you see it, you see it in the way um, kids are punished in school. Um, Black kids will tend to get, harsher Mm -hmm. uh, disciplinary actions levied at them Mm -hmm. for doing the same stuff that a child that isn't black is doing the same thing with like just prison you know, charges and jail Mm -hmm. sentences and things like that. So yeah, when you have those kinds of things levied against you along with, you know, all three of us are Southern and we all, I mean, I know Shirley and I, well, I, I don't know for sure about Shirley, but I, w- I come from a long line of like preachers and Oh, I do too. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's stuff. no black person that doesn't have a preacher and at least an organist yeah, in, the, right? in, the, in, the, in the lineup. And somebody played, somebody played the organ and the piano and somebody was Everybody else was in the choir, right? So like. Uh, absolutely. If someone says that wasn't in their family, they're telling a lie. You can't be black. They definitely lying. They definitely lying. Um, like my granddaddy was a preacher. He had, he had a church in Atlanta and he had like five brothers and they're all like preachers. It's, it's, it's insane. Right. So there are all those things like you were saying, Randy, about how generations of us were taught and it was all about suffering silently. Right. All about suffering silently and. Well, suffering silently because. The most gets the reward. Right. But, but because we because when you say the word shame, I think it's very much tied to religion. So and going back to the expectations of us, because, you know, we talk about Donald Trump's multiple marriages and um, how he has uh, molested women and talked mm-hmm. about grabbing women and their body parts and stuff. And it's like I think it's like whatever. And he is seen yeah. as a Christian and there's no problem. Had right. 
Barack Obama done the same oh, thing. Oh my gosh, oh, yes. Six feet under. Girl, yes. <laughs> Indeed. Right? Right? Because there is, like you said, a higher tax when we mess up. So when we do mess up, I think we're very silent about it mm-hmm. because it's not as accepted. There's a, there's a problem when we do it. Right. We're not yeah. afraid to really be fallible. We're not afraid to be fully human. Um, it's, and it's the, ir- the, the irony is really strong because in a lot of ways, we're still not seen as fully human anyway, but we're not allowed to be human. So it's like, why are you even looking Amen. to me at me this way and judging me for these things when you, I mean, I, it's like, wait, these, these kids that I see out here, they're doing all kinds of horrific things and not to judge them because they probably have, there's, there's definitely a root cause of that somewhere. They probably have, they, they've got issues. They've got things that are going on, you know, that maybe they have trauma, they have family issues and things like that, but they're always given the benefit of the doubt. And our kids aren't given the benefit of the doubt. Right. They're not they're Never not are they allowed given. to maybe, they're not allowed to slip up and have someone come alongside them and say, oh, well, you're just a kid, though. You still have your future ahead of you. Let's help you out. Right. And it's really heartbreaking to see. But you're, you're right, Randy. So when we, there's all that shame associated with it. And so we just shut the door, not just to the outside world, you know, because we're not going to have our business out in the street anyway. But we also shut the door as individuals. So we're not talking to each other within our own homes. We're not talking to, you know, parents aren't talking to their children and vice versa. We're not talking to grandparents about things that we really do need to address. Maybe we need help processing. It's something that I, that I don't know if Shirley and I talked about this already, but a lot of people that are like, uh, well, my, my son, he's a 23 year old. So he's, I mean, he's a millennial. He's my oldest child. A lot of, and you see a lot of the friction between millennials and boomers. Yeah. I'm not either one. I'm Gen X. We're all Gen X. And mm-hmm. my parents were not boomers. They were this, the generation before that. They were called the silent generation. And that's just hilarious, right? They were literally called the silent generation. So everyone was walking around just kind of stiff upper lip, buck up, do what you got to do, you know, because they, they were living, they lived through the depression. They lived through World War II and it was just, you do what you got to do and that's it. And no one really talked, I don't think about, I know my parents definitely didn't. You know, my dad was suffering from depression and we knew it, but we didn't really know exactly what was going on because he wasn't talking about it. My mom was very, the strong, silent, stoic type. So no one was ever talking. So not only do we not let anyone else outside see what's going on unless something really bad happens and we're desperate. There's nothing being talked about in our homes either. So no one is ever healing. No one is ever healing. You're absolutely right. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Randy. No, no, please go ahead. I was just going to say, when you were saying that, uh, when I was reading up on Black uh, Secrets in the Black Families, I came across this article where where they were talking about there were three types of secrets in families. There were the individual secrets, the internal secrets, and then the shared secrets. And when you were talking about your dad's depression, Daddy, it reminded me of the individual secrets because even though that's not a, a, a secret that necessarily would cause physical or emotional harm to someone else, it was causing physical and emotional harm to your dad. And so I think that because they, they were referred to as the silent generation, that that in itself, said that, oh, I can't let everybody know that I'm suffering from depression. Right, right. You know? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. But, but when 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 have we as black people even now been given the luxury to be sad? Okay. We've yeah. always we've always been told to be strong and right. it was shameful to be sad. I remember I you know when my mom passed away, I said she would beat my butt if I go in here and turn this place out like I want to. Mm-hmm. You know, we are we are told, I mean, the, the, the strong black woman is literally what we're known as. I mean, they're right. And so we are not given permission to be sad. So when we are suffering from depression, I, I mean, how many people are comfortable saying that? I mean, and then and so we do suffer and, and everyone else around us does suffer as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. There's been such a st- strong stigma surrounding all of it. Even now there's a little stigma around it. There is like, you would be ashamed. You would, you, you like, even like you were saying that even today, people are ashamed to say um, I'm suffering from depression or I'm depressed because of the backlash that they're going to get as a result of saying that, especially growing up in the South and growing up as in, in a Christian community, because Natty and I talk about this all the time growing up where I grew up, if God couldn't fix it, it couldn't be fixed. And so you did right. suffer right. in silence because there was so much shame associated with that. Or there was some type of, uh, of demon that had possessed you or, you know, you were giving in to this evil spirit. And so there was shame around that. And I think that contributes to secrets too, because now, you know, here's the, I have this secret of depression that I don't want to, to share with anybody because they may ridicule me. You know, question my Christianity. Mm-hmm. Well, but, but because because it, being a Christian, you're supposed to be grateful all the time. So if you say you're depressed, yeah, it says you're not grateful. And I remember my mom telling me that depression ain't nothing but too much time to think about yourself. Ooh, like wow. that's what she. That's what she, I'll, ne- I'll never forget that, right? <laughs> and I mean, not the right thing to say, but that's no, the generation yeah. that she came from, and you know. Right. When when my father died in a car accident, I tell people my mom just kept going. Like mm-hmm, I did, I yeah. did not see her mourn his death. Mm-hmm. Like you know, and, and that has affected the way that I have seen and and interacted in my male relationships. I feel, I think mostly in a positive way in some ways. Um, but I, you know, when I have friends who are like, you know, mourning over men and going crazy, and you know, it's a year later. I don't think I learned that. Right. And so I just thought, okay, well, you just keep moving on. <laughs> it's just, what's the right. problem? Because I just didn't see that. I, and I tell people this, I said at first, I think, well, I know I was judging other people, but I didn't see it. And so she didn't allow herself to be sad or depressed or mourn him because that's, I'm sure she wasn't raised to do that. Right. And so she didn't teach me how to mourn you know, she never taught me how to mourn. And I told people, I said, the one thing my mom didn't teach me because she taught me a lot was how to mourn her when she left. Right. You know, because right. I never that's, saw that's her. True. Yeah. I, we, I have a very similar experience. My, my dad died when I was 11. He died of lung cancer. And my mm-hmm. mom being, you know, the strong, silent type, like I said, um, it's so funny too, because she, she had such a warm disposition like she was mm-hmm. really chill and easygoing and people liked being around her. She was just very jovial mm-hmm. and there's a calm presence about her. But at the same time, yeah, she was really silent about a lot of things. And I think, mm-hmm. I, and I'm the same way. And I think I got that from both of them, just watching 
right. they both lived. And when, so when my dad died, it's not that I, I know that my mom was grieving. We both were, but because she was kind of off to herself, as far as that's concerned, it's like, I never saw her crying. Mm-hmm. I mean, she saw me right. cry, but I never saw her crying. I never even saw her really kind of sitting alone, really doing, you know, sitting, just kind of sitting with her feelings. Just, she was always doing something. She worked as a school teacher. So she was just, we were just doing things and going places. And so, yeah. And we spent so much time together because I'm an only child and we would do okay. all kinds of things together. We'd watch TV and we, so she was very present. Um, it, it wasn't a, a, a neglect kind of thing where she's not there. She's physically all there and we're, we're participating in things together, but we aren't talking. And right. at the time I understand, cause I'm an 11 year old kid. She's not going to unload on me. And I, I wouldn't probably wouldn't have, ex- I wouldn't expect her to do that anyway. But as, even as I got older, she never said a word about, you know, how she was grieving my dad. We would talk about my dad, but she wouldn't, she, she never expressed um, any sense of, of grief. It was always just, you know, good memories or, you know, your daddy used to always say this. And I remember when we went to such and such place and, and that's great. And I appreciate that she did that. But yeah, since I didn't see that from her, I never knew how to grieve him. And I didn't know how to grieve her when she died. I didn't really fully start mm. to grieve until like 20, right. the end of 2015. And she died wow. in 2011. And, wow. and I, I bet you that is a common story of the black woman and black man of just, yeah. you know, and I think you think about it now when you see a black person cry, when my friends cry in front of me, you know, it's really interesting. We apologize. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like we Ooh, cry yes, and we apologize yes. for crying as if crying is a bad thing. Yeah. And that's a problem. So, you know, probably our biggest secret, you know, is the sadness we sometimes feel. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Now, as you guys were yeah. talking, I was I was thinking because when, when I originally decided that I wanted to do do this particular topic, I was thinking that there's a thin line between secrecy and privacy. But as I as I'm listening to you all talk now, I feel like there's a thin line between silence, secrecy and privacy. So how do we mm. I guess like how do we safely know which one? How do I want to word that? How how do we know which one is is best in a in a in whatever that circumstance is? How do we know when to be silent, when to be private, when to be secret? Especially when it comes to raising our children. Like, how do we teach our children that some things can be said outside of the house, but other things need to stay in? You know, the good secrets and the bad secret. Like, where is that line between silence, secrecy, and privacy? I don't believe there should be any secrets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What'd you say? I, I don't think secrets are, I think secrets create, I don't think there should be any secrets. I think mm-hmm. that secrets kill and they come from a place mm-hmm. of shame. And I'm not saying you could still have privacy and there are things that only one or two people know about in my life, mm-hmm. but right. they're not secrets that I hold inside of myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I let's take it a step further then. It, like, for, for instance, like if you had a mm-hmm. kid, you know, you know how we do for Christmas and, and, and birthdays and we say um, we don't tell them or maybe we'll tell our spouse. This is what I what I got her for Christmas. Or maybe we'll tell another sibling. This is what I got your older sister for Christmas. So 
for me, that's for me, that's kind of sort of a secret. So how do we tell them, OK, this is a secret you can share. This is a secret you can't share. You see what I'm, you see where I'm going with that? Oh, well, I guess I guess I don't consider those kind of secrets personal. OK, gotcha. Right. OK, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. it's not. You know, that's just. Yeah. But if it's a personal thing, I don't want, out. you know, <laughs> yeah, 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 right. That's going to come out. But I don't want my kids to feel as if um, things are falling apart or, you know, whatever. And they can't share. I don't I, I mean, I will say I have been taken aback because um, they've gone to these schools and I live in California now, which is very, you know, <laughs> feely, touchy, you know, <laughs> very into all of these arts. And so any school they've been to, they have these um clubs that meet at lunch like one was called not my fault and it was kids whose parents were getting going through divorce mm-hmm. and to be honest with you i was like and my son went and i wasn't getting a divorce but he was like it was just interesting <laughs> <laughs> i was like okay gossipy he's a sad too um but i, one too. I at first was very uncomfortable with that i was like that is just really interesting but I was like, that really is a great idea, though, that kids get to talk to other kids about what's happening um, and how they're feeling about it. Mm. But, you know, there is this discomfort of people sharing what's happening inside your household. Yeah, yeah. Because it gives you a sense of, if not security, just a sense of connection and community. And it makes it easier to communicate even more when you know you aren't alone in some. Right. But it makes us feel vulnerable when, if you're the topic of conversation because right. we right. go around with such shame. Yeah, yeah. So getting through, getting past um, feeling shame about something is a huge deal. That's like a really big part of being able to share with each other. This is something that my my oldest son and I, we discuss a lot because we talk about a lot of the toxic, a lot of the toxicity that was that that was in the the environments that we were in uh, when we lived in Georgia um, through school and through church, and both of those environments were major were predominantly white environments, and it was a long time before I actually saw that we were not looked at as the same, like we weren't seen as equals, you know, people will talk a good game, but at the end of the day, when something, you know, if stuff really popped off or if the rubber really met the road, it was like, Oh wait, plot twist. No, they don't see us as equals. And we, I saw that, um, a lot over, over a long course of time. So it wasn't like every single day, there's something going on. It wasn't like microaggressions every day. It was like an event. And then a few months later, an event, and then a year or two later, an event until we both, you know, our whole family, actually, um, aside from my smaller children, because they were, they were much smaller than we just understood. And I, I say that because I had a lot of internalized crap that I was just starting to wake up to. So I didn't see it before. But something that we've talked about is the the fact that, um, like what Randy was saying early when we first started the conversation, she said, this is something that happens in in every culture, and I believe it is. But we talk a lot about um, whiteness and and how 
whiteness will keep secrets. But the reason they're keeping secrets is because they, they, the, the thing that matters to the most, to whiteness the most is optics. It, what matters is how whiteness looks to other mm-hmm. people who are mm-hmm. invested in whiteness. So it doesn't matter if you are broke or you're struggling financially or whatever, whatever, as long as you look like you're not, people respect you. So you'll do things that are illegal. You'll, you'll do tax fraud. You'll do this and then the other, all kinds of white color crimes, which we, mm-hmm. you know, we, we saw, we, we observed because that'll make you look still a certain way and everyone's fine with it until a while later, all kinds of stuff comes out because, oh, so-and-so got arrested for it or something like that. Right. Because it's just about how they look to each other. It wasn't yeah. about what we, you know, what we thought of them. But so it's like, wow, if it's really that way with them, it's going to be even worse for us because, again, the shame, again, not seeing us as fully human. And again, oh, the, the, the standards are different. So it's been really illuminating to talk to him over the years, the last four or five years about these things. And he's really, he's, he's really getting it, but that too, that's why I say the the whole shame element is something that we have to get past very, very quickly so that we can communicate with each other in community about different things so that when we go out into the world, it's a little less, it's just a little less heavy because it doesn't really matter anymore about how other people are looking at us because we don't feel that shame anymore. And I think you're right. I think the difference in the the white family secrets and the black family secrets, like you're saying, Natty, is that their secrets are usually motivated by optics, whereas our secrets are motivated by shame or our desire to protect somebody in our family mm-hmm. and that and that even that goes back to like the really taboo topics physical or sexual abuse uh, w- within a family um maybe somebody's incarcerated it goes back to alcohol and, and drug abuse it, all all of those yeah. things that 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 comes with a level of shame for us so i feel like as a as black families we are always worried about what what our families are going to think about us <clears throat> if that happens to come out. And so we keep it hidden because shame is attached to it. Whereas, like you said, the white people are just like, you know, as long, long as um, the CEO or the owner of this huge organization doesn't find out about it, I'm good. And we're like, mm-hmm. well, as long as mom doesn't know that um, uncle so-and-so touched cousin, whoever, then, you know, we're good. So it's, it's about optics for them and it's about shame and protection for us, I think. Yeah, yeah. Protection that I think starts actually going back to the whole Christianity thing. I think that most other cultures, well, white people have had the freedom to be sexual in ways that we haven't. Mm-hmm. And so I think about how, you know, most of the shame that I think a lot of people would talk about would come from sexuality in some form or fashion, whether it be someone's having sex at a young age in their mind, if someone gets pregnant, if someone's um, gay, if someone, all these things Mm -hmm. in the black community. And I don't think that white people feel the shame the same way because, you know, it's funny because I tell people, I said it wasn't until now 
at this stage where there's a comfort in being sexy. And even still, you know, we get shamed for it. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, right. what's our girl that just had her birthday uh, just came out with a photo shoot. I don't know why I can't remember her name. And she was 50 and she's in her underwear. and She looks great, a sister. And I was shocked at how many people were so upset with her and really saying that she shouldn't have done it. Right. And I was like, mm-hmm. now a white woman can get and be butt naked on anything yep. at any age. And it's not the outcry from even black people. It's like, we're cool with it, but we don't expect black women to be sexual. Right. right? And it's okay for black men to be sexual. And so at that point where all these things happen, there's a shame with just basic sexuality. Mm-hmm. Don't do, don't have anything. You know, once people start having affairs and children out of wedlock and are gay, you know, it, then it just gets, you know, that's when we really hide, hide things. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And we don't Absolutely. even want, and we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to talk about, you know, once someone has been molested and they're, they're, we don't want to talk about it. We act like it, it'll go away if we just yeah. don't talk about it. Absolutely. Right. Right. Yeah. It's like cancer, man. It doesn't go away if you don't address it. It, it doesn't go away. And I can tell you from my own personal experience, because I, I was molested as a, as a child. And not only is sorry, like, like you grow up with that shame and you grow up thinking that it's okay to keep this secret because, right. because, you know, because, because we constantly sweeping it, it under the rug. Cause I know for my mom and I'd be hoping sometimes like none of my family listens to this, but I have to tell the truth. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Right. But, um, I know for my mom, when when I when my sister and I were were molested by by this man, like she she knew that it happened, and there were times where she she protected us in that, and and she broke out the broke out the relationship. But then, you know, she would end up back in in the relationship, and so for me, that said to me that oh, we we don't need to say this to anybody. For me, I. I don't want anybody to know because, okay, my mom is back with him now. So there was that shame with that. Like, I don't want them to know that she didn't protect me. And so mm-hmm. you, 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 you understand, y'all understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Totally. I, I felt yeah. like, you know, there, there was a, the sh- I had the shame for myself because it happened to me, but I also had the shame for right. her because she knew that it happened. And then there she was back in a relationship with him. Now, in her defense, because mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like I need to defend her too, but in her defense, my mom, you know, she, when it happened to us, my mom was not a Christian at that time, but then she got saved and they both got saved at the same time. He didn't really get saved, but anyway, they both got saved at the same time. So she felt like, okay, you know, he's been delivered from the spirit. And so she ended up married to this guy, even after knowing mm-hmm. that, you know, that he had done these things to us. And so, yeah, so I carried her shame and I carried my shame. So, yeah, I wasn't going to tell people mm. what happened to me mm. because, you know, now i got to protect my mom. You see, you see what I'm saying? That's right. why I'm saying, like, it comes. We, mm. we keep, black families keep secrets either because we're ashamed of what happened to us or we're trying to protect somebody to protect in our family. Us, and so yeah. that's what I was doing. I was ashamed of what happened to me. I, ashamed, I was ashamed that my mom was married to him. And then at the same time, I felt like, oh, i got to protect my mom. So I didn't share with anybody. Yeah. You know. And that's such a heavy burden. It's like you you end up putting all of these things ahead of yourself, ahead of mm-hmm. your own well-being, mm-hmm. your own emotional well-being, your own physical 
uh, safety and well-being. Right. Because, oh, I got to protect this person. I got to protect this person. I can't. And wow, like the the levels of, of harm that right. come to, to victims of, of, of sexual abuse, physical abuse. Because, yeah, you feel like, especially as a kid, I, um, I, I wasn't molested per se, but I had a family member be suggest something to me when I was very mm-hmm. small and it made me uncomfortable. But also because I was so young, I was also really confused. I didn't know what the relative was talking about. Mm-hmm. And then they just let it go. And yeah, I never told anybody because also, I mean, I'm really small. I think I'm in like kindergarten or something. I didn't even, I wouldn't have known how to explain it anyway. Right. I would have just been like, oh, well, they right. said such and such to me. I don't know what that means or whatever. But yeah, there's a, the, the level of harm that comes from not knowing how to articulate what's happened to you, mm-hmm. um, being afraid. Not knowing being, it's wrong. Not, not knowing it's wrong. Not even knowing it's yes. wrong. To know because, what it is. Yes. because we don't, we don't talk about it in our community. Right. So it feels yeah. wrong. Right. But in some ways right. it may feel right. So mm-hmm. we're ashamed of that. Right. Because, you know, yeah. we're physical beings and there's all the, and no one has talked to us about it. Right. It hasn't been discussed. So we can't put words to it. We can't put emotions to it. And it's just there to continue to torture us, mm-hmm. you know, Absolutely. and I, yeah. I, I, am, I, I, you know, I hope you mourn the little girl you were then and the, and the adult now, because that is a heavy burden. Yeah. To carry, you know, when you're carrying Absolutely. that burden and you have to, keep, you know, taking care of yourself and your little self because that person stays, you know, with us. But that's right. But you heal by talking about it and by mm-hmm. not allowing it to just stay festered inside of you. And when you share it, that makes other people comfortable sharing and helps them to heal. Yeah, absolutely. That's it. Absolutely. That's it. I would love to see us as as a culture rewrite what keeping family secrets mean. Because like like you were saying that it keeps us from getting but if it's if it stays like it is now, it keeps us from getting the healing that we need. And then the only thing we're doing is passing it down to our children, they're passing it down to their children, and they're passing it down to their children. And it's just a never-ending cycle. So what can we as a culture do to rewrite what keeping family secrets mean? I think one thing that I've seen, I'm really encouraged about, about, I've seen, and we've had some of these young women on the last season, these younger women who, and I'm not trying to make it sound like they're the first ones to ever do this, of course, but to see these younger people being a lot more open about like we're, we're talking about their sexuality, mm-hmm. about um, what they are willing to to tolerate and not tolerate, just about boundaries and setting boundaries, and about um, and about their feelings, about feeling things and actually talking about what they're feeling. I'm really encouraged about that um, because I I feel like I'm getting there now, but I'm in my 40s. I didn't. I didn't know any of this stuff before. I wasn't doing it. And, you know, better late than never. But I'm so, I'm so glad that like someone like my 23-year-old 
is very open about talking about all those things. Mm-hmm. And he's very, um, he's very unapologetic about, you know, I think a lot of times historically anyway, younger generations tend to be more progressive anyway. Um, he's just very unapologetic about a lot of these different issues and, and he's not afraid to be vocal about it. And I'm really happy because I'm not sure that he got that from, from me, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> because that's the grace of God we're talking I'm talking more openly now because I've I've managed to do some healing on my own in the last five or six years but yeah these younger people talking so openly and freely about um about sexuality and about how they've been sold a bill of goods uh by by Western like religion, um, mm-hmm. what we would call evangelical Christianity, um, that it's been a mean, like Randy said at the beginning, it's been a means of control. And that's something yes. that my son and I talk about a lot. It doesn't mean that I don't love Jesus. I personally do, oh, but yeah. I'm unwilling mm-hmm. to be controlled by pastors and and church organizations ever again, especially when I'm in an organization and I see my younger kids being on the receiving end of racism. Um, My biracial kids, by the way, all of my kids are biracial, um, being on the receiving end of racism. And it's like, wait, we're in this place where if you are who you say you are and you believe what you say you believe, you would call that out because that's not right. And then it doesn't happen. So yeah, I'm not willing to be beholden to organizations like that anymore. Mm -hmm. And my son definitely isn't. He's like, no way, absolutely not. And so I'm really, um, I'm really energized from seeing these younger people talk about these things and then also be very open about the fact that feelings are real and you get, you're going to feel them regardless. And it's, you should just talk about them. Like Randy said, don't hold things in to fester. And we've talked about that a lot. Not holding things in to fester and then affect us um, in an even worse way down the road, affecting our physical bodies. They're very open about talking about how they're feeling. They're open about talking about therapy and um, counseling and all kinds of things. And so that is an energy that I am really attracted to. And I think that's really doing some good work in in the world. Um, and it's something that if us, if we as Generation X and older can really get on board with that, I think we could see a lot of societal healing or at the very least community healing within our own community. Absolutely. What say you, Randy? I say that you do these types of conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That you keep the conversation always going and you be brave enough to be honest about your weaknesses and your humanness and, and being honest about feelings. Um, I try, uh, the, the reason why I do the blog and things like that is because I want to tell people sometimes that things suck or I'm feeling sad or I'm feeling frustrated and not being ashamed that I'm not a superwoman and hopefully giving other people the freedom to do that. Um, my sons don't share their feelings very frequently, but I talk, even though they don't, mm-hmm. I talk, I mean, they would just 
spend money if they get me to shut up. I talk about everything. <laughs> I talk about, you know, I talk about sex nonstop with them. I talk about everything because what I'm hoping is that when I show my openness, that they, when they are willing to, when they do have a situation, that they feel comfortable coming to talk to me. Right. Yeah. Um, because yeah. I've showed my openness. And That's so right. I, I'm comfortable starting the conversation, um, continuing conversations, even if they're mostly one-sided. Um, and creating safe spaces for people uh, to share their so-called secrets. I, I'm, I think when you're a writer or you do things like uh, like this podcast, you are a person who's willing to share yourself, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Um, I tell people, I ju- I'll talk about just about anything about myself. I don't tell, the only thing I don't talk about is when it involves someone else who can sign up for this. Right. This is something I signed up for. So I don't tell like secrets about like my sons, like something that they wouldn't want me to say. Right. Mm-hmm. Because they didn't sign up for this. Right. Right. Um, but I will tell something if it, if it strongly affects me, I will talk about my sons in relation to me, things that they've done, things that how, how it relates to me. But um, I think we have to share. And I, I hope that I'm sure that all of us are opening up people's hearts and minds to be and mouths, you know, that to be more open to their own humanness and frailty. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What I heard both of y'all say was open and honest communication. That's what, that's what we need. Yeah. That's That's what we need. And we, and we, and y'all know what? I'm getting so old. Like my mind just goes blank, like right in the middle of a sentence. (laughs) Oh, child, all the time. It happens to me all the time. (laughs) so yeah open and honest communication and I think if you are a survivor of a family secret that has caused you physical or emotional harm now is the time to start dealing with that and that starts with open and honest communication not with other people but with yourself like you gotta yes. admit mm-hmm. that admit that that thing happened and that not that it just not just that it happened, but it had an effect on your life. It has an effect on how you live and breathe now as an adult. And so we got to start not just being honest with other people, but being honest with ourselves as well. Yeah, definitely. I think it starts. I think it starts with being honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because if someone had asked me at one time in my life, hell, within the last three years years that I think I was ashamed of anything, I would would have probably said no. Right. You know, I wasn't being honest with myself and really right. thinking and taking the time to say, what is something that I hold in? What is something that embarrasses me or I have shame about? And there's there's multiple things, right? That I'm yeah, working right. on that right. I'm just embarrassed about. Um yeah. And some of them just very basic uh things. It even started when I started telling people, you know, I don't know what the hell I'm doing in this thing called life, right? Because I mm-hmm. thought I was supposed to know. I thought at this age I was supposed to have it figured. And I was honestly ashamed that it seemed like everybody else had everything so figured out, and I didn't. And wow. um, you know what I mean? So it could be very basic things that that you're feeling ashamed about. And, of course, it goes to deep secrets that your family had, half mm-hmm. of which I'm just now finding out, child. Right. <laughs> you know, you go, and you know, you yes. go, that stuff comes out at a black funeral. You're like, what? 
What? Yes. <laughs> Who was that? Yes. 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 Was married before? Exactly. Like, exactly. Wives exactly. and girlfriends start showing up. You think mm-hmm. you think somebody was married one time. They were married four times. You're like, what? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's very interesting. And I think that goes back to, to um to the mess that we were talking about in the last episode that we walk around with these masks and for for various reasons it's guilt shame embarrassment all of those things and so in connection with the last episode open and honest communication and take off the mask like I know you can't just rip it off like you rip a bandaid off like healing is gradual so yeah it, it's time for us to uncover all of those things that we that we've not only been hiding from the world but that we've been hiding from ourselves absolutely yeah yeah anyway we gotta wrap it up ladies it's been real <laughs> before, before we um, i know right but before we get off randy we, i want to give i want to give you an opportunity to, to to say some closing words and then tell our listeners where they can find you in the online space and all and all of that goodness, and then Natty, when she finishes, then you come on in and give your closing remarks as well. Well, I just want to say that I just I feel this community growing, and I just feel connected to so many Black women across the world, and ones I don't even know, but I just feel, mm-hmm. and I just look forward to us evolving together and coming out of places of shame and silence, right. and giving voice to ourselves and our pain. So, you know, I'm Randy B. You can Google me and I'm all over. Like, I have a website, randyb.net. Google me, baby. <laughs> Google me. Google yes, me, baby. Google me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's just easier than lifting all the stuff. Right, but, yeah, I know You know, I, I'm, I'm loving, like, I feel like such a sisterhood. And, uh, I mean, I, like, I literally feel the energy. And yeah. I think that we can, we can all get through this together. Absolutely, absolutely. What you got, Natty? I co-sign that. We can all get through it together. I feel very Mm -hmm. encouraged. I mean, a lot of the days, especially just Welcome to Earth, it feels like, wow, what a shit show. But Right. (laughs) (laughs) I feel you on it. Some days it's like, what does that mean that's going around? I I hate it here. Yes, some days that's literally how it feels. Like, I really hate it here. Yeah. No, listen. And with, with, the, with the coronavirus and stuff, I'm like, this is the real end of days, y'all. This is, I mean, I, right. Going back to Christianity, right. I'm like, my grandmama told me about this. It's over, right, it's exactly. Over. Yes. You better get yes. right. You better get right. Yes. <laughs> yes. And yes, indeed. Well, anyway, this has been such an amazing conversation, ladies. Thank y'all so much for hanging out with me. And um, well, thank you, Randy, for hanging out with Natty and me. And um, yeah. oh, any day, y'all, well, we're best friends now. So it's yeah, we are best time. friends, right. honey. We are best friends. Yes, 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 yes. yes so yes. yeah, um, like we mentioned in the last episode, there are we we are putting together tons of free resources to help you facilitate and navigate your healing. You can check those out on our website at shadesstrong.com. Uh, follow us across all social media, Shades of Strong, all that good stuff. And by all means, if you need some support on this journey, feel free to reach out to any of us. I feel safe in saying that Natty's available, Randy's available, I'm available, whatever you need. Hit us up on social media, Randy's Randy B. Y'all know we're Shades of Strong across yeah. all platforms. So if you need some assistance, if you need some support, do not be afraid to reach out. 
All right. Y'all good? Yep. I'm great. Thank you so much. All right, y'all. We are out of here. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. And we will see you back here next week. Oh